Distractions podcast, a podcast where we chat true crime, conspiracy theories, and the paranormal to provide distraction from everyday life. I'm Alex. And Christy. And this week we are back to true crime for episode. This is 2022. 20, yeah, 22. <laughs> <laughs> it's all a blur. It's all a fucking blur. What uh, What is your need for distraction? Um, my need for distraction this week is, I was just telling you earlier, that I've been having a really bad day today. Oh, no. I always decide it's great to pick up shifts at work, and then <laughs> just with COVID and stuff, and people walking in spacesuits, and you're like, what the heck's <laughs> going on? I'm trying to scan people. It's like, it's just, oh, then, like, I wasn't having it today. I was not happy. It was... The rest of the week was fine, but just today just ruined the whole week. Today? Yeah, today was definitely a weird day, I would say. And it's always work with you. It's always work with you, isn't it? Um, I know, I'll just complain about work. No problem. Because all I do is work. Because all you do is work. And podcast with me. So, like, I would have to say my need for distractions. So, I went to Costco today, which was interesting because I obviously haven't been in a really long time because coronavirus. Um, Oh, I didn't even think of that. Yeah, so I was, like, fully prepared to wait outside, you know, what have you. Went right in. Didn't have to wait. There were people fucking everywhere. Like, people, okay. People were wearing masks. And, like, I will say, for the most part, people were trying to keep however long of a distance is. Six feet, two feet. I don't even know at this point anymore. Six feet, yes. But it was insane. There were so many people. Like, there was too many people, almost. Like, it wasn't, like, shoulder to shoulder like it usually is, but there was mm-hmm. a lot of people. I think there's some stores that, like, in the beginning, they were, like, being super strict on numbers and stores, and, like, Costco being one of the places, and then some people just kind of, like, said, fuck it, and they don't care anymore. Well, that's exactly how it was today. Like, it just kind of seemed like, you know, it, it was kind of like a free-for-all, in a sense, right? Like, it was just... I mean, I got what I needed, and a little bit more, because it's Costco, and of course you buy more than you absolutely fucking need. Mm-hmm. So, but I just need to distract myself from that because that was kind of a stressful, a, kind of a stressful situation, right? Like it was eh. anyway. So are you ready to hear a wild true crime story? Hit me with it. All right. So we are chatting about Evelyn Dick. Does that ring a bell? No. Okay. <laughs> cool, 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 cool. That means that it's going to be super new for you and hopefully you're going to be wowed by it. It, it gets gruesome, but hey, that's, that's what we're here for, right? Can't wait. <laughs> All right, so Evelyn McLean was born to parents Donald and Alexander McLean on October 13th, 1920, making her a Libra. She was born in Beamsville, Ontario, which is kind of near Niagara Falls. However, roughly after a year after she was born, the McLean family moved to 214 Roslyn Avenue in Hamilton, Ontario, which we both have experiences with the Hammer Town. Sketchy experiences, yes. Sketchy experiences with Ham- For people who don't know Hamilton, Ontario. It used to be a steel city, right? Like, it used to be a steel industrial. Yeah. It's not, like, there's some parts of Hamilton that are really nice and really extravagant. They have, like, beautiful homes. But then there's a lot of places that just, you know, you you lock your doors and you put up your windows and you just hope for the best. Like, I remember one time, like, I know, like, mental health is a thing, but, like, there was just the sketchiest person that was, like, yelling at the bus and, like, eating dirty cigarette butts literally off the ground. Like, he, 
telling we walked off the bus one time me and like when i went to school for a year there yeah and he like literally like you know we make like little finger guns oh god yeah he literally like pointed finger guns at us he's like bang headshot and then we like walked and they walked away and i was like what? <laughs> oh no thank you Absolutely. never like get me out of here now <laughs> i remember so i did my post-grad certification there um at mohawk at the college there so i was there for a solid eight months but i didn't actually like live there one of the assignments we had was that we had to go to like a certain part of hamilton kind of like a certain district if you will and mm-hmm. like around and kind of get like a a feel for like the socioeconomic environment so of course I got shafted with like the poorest area like the poorest area and I was in this group of people I think I maybe knew like two of them from my class because to be honest I didn't really go to class but anyway so we're walking around and this one person was being harassed by some random guys that weren't in our group and these guys they were you know saying some pretty mean shit one of my classmates nearly got in a fucking fist fight as we're trying what? to do a school assignment. Yeah, I shit you not. Because I don't, like I said, I don't remember what was said. I just remember I was walking in front of the group with two other people and all I hear is screaming and yelling. I was like, oh fuck, absolutely not. Turn around. And there's people trying to pull off my class, like other classmates trying to pull off this one classmate. And they're like, yeah, we'll fuck get you. Yeah, we'll fuck get you. And I'm like, oh my God, we need to get the fuck out of here. Like, what the fuck? So then we all reconvene at like a nearby like coffee store. I think it was a Starbucks. And fucking we're like, what were you doing? They're like, well, there's like talking shit. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, we're like in school technically right now. Could you not? Like, good for you for sticking up for yourself. That's great. But like, can we not get killed? Do it on your own time, damn it. So that's, yeah, that's. Hamilton in a nutshell. That's your experience. <laughs> that, that's, that was my experience, and your experience also sounds horrendously sketchy as all fuck. Um, yeah, you go to school, you stayed on campus, and then you didn't go anywhere yeah. else, really. Well, and I remember when it was your night, we're totally going off guard, but the listeners need to know about this if they ever come to, come to Ontario or they live in Ontario, but what bar was it? You and I went to a bar for your 19th birthday. Dirty Dogs. Dirty Dog Saloon, and I shit you not, there were bras everywhere. Like, mm-hmm. Because the thing there was that it was supposed to be, like, a coyote, ugly... Type dance bar, yeah. Yeah, like a themed bar. And there was just bras up on, like, the ceiling. There were bras on the floor. On the... Not the floor. On the the one wall. And I was... I remember thinking, like, so people don't come back and get them? (laughs) Because bras are fucking expensive here in Canada. I don't know where these people were coming from, but damn, like, a good bra... Like, a good bra is, like, 40 bucks. That's why people don't wear bras now. I know. True. Fair enough. Free the They're probably all at Dirty Dog Saloon Hamilton. Maybe. Ugh. So anyways, Evelyn and her folks moved to Hamilton, the good old Hammer City. Donald, so her dad, was a streetcar conductor in Hamilton and apparently was known to be somewhat of an alcoholic. And by somewhat, I mean straight up was an alcoholic. Cirrhosis. <laughs> Cirrhosis of the liver. Um, Alexandra, on the other hand, his wife was known to have, quote, a wicked temper. So you can imagine how that marriage and, like, that upbringing must have been Mm -hmm. in that household. Um, Not only that, but apparently there are some reports that Evelyn was sexually abused by her father. However, like, I only saw this once. I'm not saying it's not accurate, but I'm just saying I only saw it once. So I, yeah, I don't know. Fake news, no. (laughs) It, It could be, it could not be. I... I don't know. If anyone actually knows, hit us up. Not that it really matters. It doesn't really. Well, we'll get to it. Anyways, so growing up, Evelyn reported that her childhood wasn't the happiest. 
shocker. Uh, and it could be speculated wildly that her parents may have been kind of helicopter parents as they felt that she was, quote, too fragile to spend time with neighborhood kids. So essentially they thought she was, as I said, too fragile. Like they wouldn't really let her do much with other kids in the neighborhood. Like I picture the kids in the neighborhood playing outside, riding their bikes and her like Dawn and Alexander would be like, no, you stay in. Like you're going to stay in because you Not never you. know. Yeah, <laughs> no outside for you. Um, the McLean family were known to display their wealth actively, often throwing lavish parties and spending their money freely on acquaintances. So, like, people they didn't really know that well. Like, if you think about it, Alexander didn't work, and even though Donald had, like, an okay job, the wealth that they were promoting didn't really seem to be legit, which would fuel rumors that Donnie Boy was maybe stealing money from his job. Not good. Bad. Uh, some reports believe that Donald and Alexandra used Evelyn as a way to achieve more attention from well-off folks because Evelyn was super pretty. Like, she was a really, really good-looking girl. So they kind of used her for clout, let's just put it that way. Like, here, look at her daughter. Isn't she beautiful? Be friends with us, because, like, she's pretty. I don't know. It sounds like it's turning into, like, a weird family gross pimping situation. <laughs> yeah. Well, and as Evelyn grew up, she appeared to develop a persona of an up-and-coming wealthy socialite, often spending time with older men from out of town. I love that statement, though, like, often spending time with older men from out of town. Like, you can tell this was not, like, two years ago. You know what I mean? Like, it just, I don't know. Something about that statement just... Like, it makes it sound like so nonchalantly fine and it's not. <laughs> I know. Uh, Evelyn would actually try really hard, this is sad, would try really hard to have friends, but appear to struggle to really have true friends, mostly just fake friends who enjoyed being around her for, like, gifts and clout and, you know extravagant parties and which is kind of really depressing like i read that i was like oh no it's a very lonely life <laughs> it's a very lonely life for evelyn um not really though because she was known to wear lavish jewelry furs and often spent time at the racetracks and wouldn't hide her money like her parents from any so she made up for not having a lot of friends by material goods which fair enough someone's got a girl yeah someone's got to feed into capitalism so we're going to fast forward to 1942. At the age of 22, Evelyn gave birth to a daughter, Heather, which had the town spreading rumors like wildfire since she was unwed and not necessarily monogamous, if you know what I mean. Yeah, she was a promiscuous girl, as Nelly Furtado would say. But I mean, you do you, boo. Evelyn responded to these rumors by explaining that she was married to a man stationed overseas whose last name was White. However, uh, after looking into military records, it turned out that this white person never existed. Suspicious. The, with a fake person or made it up? Uh, yeah. Uh, then two years later, Evelyn gave birth to a son on September 5th, 1944. The son's name was Peter David White. So once again, taking that white last name, not really sure why, but to each their own. Now this is where things get kind of eerie and weird. Evelyn apparently came home after giving birth to Peter, but came home without Peter. What? Yeah. Just, just you wait. <laughs> she told her mom, this bitch told her mom, that she gave up Peter to Children's Aid Society because, quote, we don't need another child in the house. And further told her mom, dad doesn't want me to have another child in the house. Okay. So can we just like digest that for a bit? Because like I had a really hard time with that, with that information. I was like, wait, wait. So she's like carried the baby and then she took yeah. it. And she's like, no thanks. Yeah. Yeah. She's like, you know what? I actually have one of these already. 
I don't think I need a second one. It's like you can't do you, you no no ma'am you can't do that. That's not how that's not how this works. It's not like you can, there's no return policy. You have the baby, you have the baby. Well, nowadays you can give it away, but well, yeah. It, uh, anyways, we'll we'll hear we'll hear about Peter later. Unfortunately, not in a good way. Mm. Spoiler alert. Um, so a year later, in June of 1945, Alexandra, who had recently separated from Donald, moved into an apartment with Evelyn and Heather. The apartment was located in downtown Hamilton, aka Don't Do It. Just don't go there. Don't do it. It's not <laughs> good. It's not fun. Well, it's fun, but you have to be like a certain level into- intoxicated for it to be really fun. You know what I mean? I don't think at any time it's fun. <laughs> yeah. So maybe about a month of living downtown, Evelyn shook her mother by announcing that two weeks she was going to marry a man by the name of John Dick who Alexandra did not know and I might have had the dates wrong or may have had misleading uh, information because it says they moved in June of 1945 but John and Evelyn didn't get married until October so to take that information how you will we don't know but the reason why alexandra was so shook not only because she didn't know this john dick guy but because alexandra was like evelyn you're you're with somebody right now you're with a bill bohozuk bohozuk right now and that i i remember butchered yeah butchered but she was with this bill guy so she was dating this Bill guy for on and off for a while. And then all of a sudden she comes home to mom and she's like, yeah, so I'm going to marry this John Dick guy. And Alexander's like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> what about Bill? So anyway, me. <laughs> well, not necessarily. On October 4th, 1945, Evelyn and John were married at the Church of Ascension in Hamilton. It was beautiful. It was lavish. It was way over budget, probably. And to no one's surprise, apparently the marriage with John wasn't rainbows and butterflies. Supposedly, based on some reports, the couple separated only five days after they got married. The reason is apparently that Evelyn had cheated on John already. Which, like, oh, girl, like... If you're going to marry somebody who was supposed to be with some other guy already, that's already a red flag. There were also some reports that John and Evelyn didn't really live together consistently. They had been legally married for about a month before John lived with Evelyn. So they split up after five days. I think they got back together shortly after. Who knows? I mean, people do whatever they want. And obviously their relationship is not stable. No. (laughs) To put it that way. Um, so at one point, John would live with Evelyn, but it'd be a month after they got married. Um, so Evelyn still kept the apartment she had with her mother, but also owned a home at 32 Carrick Avenue in Hamilton. And in case you were wondering, well, who the fuck did Evelyn cheat on John with? It was apparently based on, yeah, based on Alexandra's tea spilling. She told a bunch of people, oh, my daughter is having an affair with John. On John, sorry, with Bill. So. And she was Bill before. So she done Bill yeah. with John, then she got married, then she cheated on John with Bill. Yep. And just in case we're wondering, okay, who the hell is John? So John was a conductor for the Hamilton Street Railway, same as Evelyn's dad. And was about 39 at the time when him and Evelyn married. So this is where things get weird. What we're here for. John was reportedly missing, reported missing by his cousin just five months after his wedding to Evelyn. On Saturday, March 16th, 1946, a group of five kids found what they thought at first was a headless pig laying down the escarpment in Hamilton, which locals refer to it as the mountain. Um, I'm sorry, actually, a headless pig, they thought? They, yeah, they thought it was a headless pig. Okay. It wasn't a headless pig. 
as a human? How do you how do you like confuse a pig with a human? <laughs> I well, apparently it's easy. I don't know how. I'm assuming mm. you don't know how, but I mean they're kids. It's the forties. I don't look know. the same, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but in case you're wondering, okay, so clearly it's not a pig, because if it was a pig we wouldn't be talking about it. This wouldn't be an episode. We would just be like, oh, it was a pig. Um, after further investigation, they found out it was a torso of an adult male. So no arms, no legs, no head. Mm, she went to town, apparently. Horrifying. Just, like, just a torso on a mountain. Like, just a torso on a mountain. I'm not here for it. Let's play any mini man where this body is going to go. This yeah, exactly. <laughs> Based on investigators' opinions, they felt that it appeared that someone had tried to cut the torso in two based on a deep wound found um, on the torso, obviously. Uh, an ID of the remains by doctors and confirmation from John's brother-in-law uh, led police to the conclusion that they found the remains of John Dick, who had been missing for about 10 days at this point. John's cousin, Alexander, apparently told police about his fears that it was John right off the bat because, essentially, Alexander was worried when John told him, hey, I'm going to move back in with Evelyn for a bit, like, I really miss her, kind of maybe even, like, talked about reconciliation, whatever. And Alexander and probably other people in John's life didn't really necessarily have, like, the greatest feeling about about, uh, Evelyn, sorry. Because, I mean, like, she fucking cheated on him five days after they got married. Like, Not a great start, yeah. No, not a great not a great start, you know, not leading on the right foot. Police later found out that John had been shot before his body was mutilated, and shortly after the torso was identified, Evelyn was brought down to the police station for questioning. And right off the bat, she dug herself into a hole. <laughs> Apparently, when informed about the discovery of her husband's torso, because technically they still were legally married, they were going through ups and downs, but like they were still legally married. Mm-hmm. Evelyn reportedly dead ass said, "Don't look at me. I don't know anything about it." Well, that's suspicious. How'd you say <laughs> oh. that? You say I don't know anything, not don't look at me. Right? Like, kind don't of, look at me. What kind of criminal are you? Jeez. I know. Sloppy. Evelyn then proceeded to spin a tale of how a fancy-dressed Italian man came to her home and stated he was looking for John and that he was going to, quote, fix John for messing around with his wife without telling Evelyn who the hell he was. So Evelyn tries to spin the tale that John was having an affair on her, not the other way around, and that some Italian man was like, yeah, I'm going to give him the old one-two for messing around on you, which a random person is going to do that for you? What? I don't understand. So Sketchy. Sketchy. So police discovered that Evelyn had borrowed a large vehicle from a man named Bill Landing. The car was returned to Bill with blood covering the front seat. The seat covers were missing and there was bloody clothing inside the vehicle. Evelyn's response to this was that apparently she said, I left a note to Bill explaining that, you know, the mess was due to my daughter, Heather. She apparently, like, Heather had cut herself and made a bloody mess in the car. But... The blood wasn't Heather's. It was the same blood type as John. So back in the 40s, they didn't necessarily have like DNA analysis, but they could at least test blood types. At least, and, yes. Like they can they tell us like boy or girl or no? Well, no, I think it's just the blood type. So like if he was mm. type O negative. A or B, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, so 
Evelyn, trying to save face, essentially says, you know, she discloses to the police saying that she got a call from a mysterious man who told her that John was having an affair and that the woman he was having an affair with was pregnant. When confronted with this, Evelyn stated that the mysterious man that had called her said that John was going to get, quote, get what he had coming. So once again... The guy said this. Yeah, apparently this mysterious man. So it went from being a mysterious tally man to now just a mysterious man. Murderer, possibly. Yeah, potentially. Who called Evelyn and was like, yeah, John's going to have what he has coming to him because he's cheating. He Like, he's cheated on you and he got somebody else pregnant. Meanwhile, like, her mom spilled the tea after they, the, the scandal came out that Evelyn was having an affair and hooking up with other guys or another guy after she and John just got married. Hmm. I, I don't... Shit isn't adding up. No, it's not adding up. So apparently, Evelyn tells police that this man that she was on the phone with had asked Evelyn if they could meet so that he could borrow a car. And Evelyn stated that when she had met him... He had a large sack with him. Evelyn then... A large sack of what? <laughs> well, I don't get to it. Um, Evelyn stated that the man told her that the sack had, quote, a part of John. Oh. The torso? <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine just showing up somewhere? This like a person just has like a large sack, and they straight up dead ass tell you like, "Oh, I have a torso. It's just a torso, you know." I have your no, husband. It's just I have your cheating husband. Where would you like me to put him, ma'am? Up in the mountain. <laughs> okay, so yeah, he had a, apparently he said he had a part of John, and that Evelyn then said that she helped this mysterious man drive the sack, drive Bill's car with the sack in it, and dump the sack where the children would later find it up in the mountain uh, evelyn would take police to where she and the man would dump john's torso all the while apparently providing really inappropriate responses to police questions and making really inappropriate statements according to reports things just seemed really weird she wasn't grieving the fact that like her husband's torso was just found she was very like Ah, yeah, he's dead, whatever. Like, it's it's no big deal. Like, it's it's no skin off my back, so to speak. You know what I mean? Well, she doesn't seem to care about much anyways. Like, no. Cheats on her, I don't know, boyfriend with him, to then husband, to then unfair, then gave the baby away. Like, no cares. No cares in the world. Absolutely zero fucks given. Um, she stated to police that she did not have any desire to kill her husband, but wasn't, but says she wasn't torn up about John being dead. So... Suspicious. Suspicious. Psychiatrists and other experts felt that Evelyn maintained the mental mental capacity of a 13-year-old, although everyone who knew her personally thought that she was manipulative as shit and more intelligent intelligent than she was leading on. Even her even her mom was like, nah, like she's playing you guys like a fucking fiddle. She's a lot smarter than she acts, especially when she's trying to get something. Because don't forget like she she was very beautiful. She's very well known. She was, you know, this up and coming socialite, so to speak. So like it wouldn't be irrational to speculate that she was really well versed in getting her way and how to talk herself out of issues and talk herself into getting things she wanted. Mm. So with psychiatrists, they were like, oh my gosh, like she's she doesn't appear to be that intelligent. Like there's no way she's capable of it. Meanwhile, everyone else is like, no, 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 no. She's playing stupid for you and you are not catching it. And you're eating it like, you know, no tomorrow. Like, you are taking this shit in and believing it. Shame Mm -hmm. on you. (laughs) Now, of course, Evelyn, who is an amazing storyteller, would change her story again, uh, signing that the previous Italian man was hired by Bill. Bill, you know, the guy she was having a thing with. 
mm-hmm. um, to kill her new husband because he was jealous and he wanted her to himself and John was in the way. These multiple stories are making you look worse. Uh, you think that we're done, but we ain't. During further investigation at John's residence, things took a turn for the worst. And as they found the remains of baby Peter in a beige what? suitcase in an attic trunk submerged in concrete. Cause of death was suffocation. Just she buried him alive in the concrete. Yeah. That's, that's... Yeah. No. No. Yeah. Yeah. No. 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 Get the hell out. But it's interesting to know that the only way that they could get to the attic was by a key that Alexander also had a, like had like a copy of a key to. Mm-hmm. It's I, I don't know how like this family just seems really intertwined with one another. Like I think they had stuff at John's house. John had stuff at Evelyn's house. Evelyn had more than one house. Donald was living on his own at one point. Like it's very meshed. But it's unclear whether or not anyone really knew what was going on with one another or what the other person was storing at their house or at someone else's house. The main thing is baby Peter is dead and shit's about to get go like south really quick. Just so, knows already. <laughs> it, it's, it's about to go more so. So this new discovery meant that Evelyn had a brand new story to tell. Shocker. Of course. Of course. She now told police that former boyfriend Bill had murdered baby Peter and John. Evidence of bullet holes in a pipe, a revolver with cartridges, saws, and bloodstained shoes were that were suspected to be John's were found in Donald's apartment. Not only that, but supposedly police found bits of human bones mixed with some cinders from the furnace. So, hmm. Evelyn, Bill, and Donald were charged with the murder of John Dick, and Evelyn was also charged with the death of baby Peter on March 19th, 1946. So now we're going to talk about the trial and the aftermath of said trial. Hold on to your horses, folks. We're just getting we're just getting started. If you're pissed off, you're going to get more pissed off. <clears throat> so, a writer for McLean's magazine named Charlie Gillis referred to the time of the trial as, quote, it was the golden age of newspapers, and they had a field day with Hamilton's Black Widow trial. Constant front page treatment of the story transfixed readers drawing hundreds outside the courthouse during the proceeding. And there were, like, back then, most fun you could have was going to watch a court hearing. So you can imagine that this was like bumping. This was bumping. Like that courthouse was packed. And during the trial, a lot of evidence would be, you know, uh, presented that kind of point to the finger that Evelyn was, you know, the mastermind behind the murders of both Peter and John. Mm-hmm. Also during the trial, they aired out all of her fucking dirty laundry. They apparently, I think it was the prosecutor was like, oh, she has like this black book where it's like all the people she's hooked up with and like this. That, I told you, like, escort. Pretend, I mean, now I'm like, you never know. But she like her shit got aired out which like part of me is like is that is that valid is that is that gonna affect the case but then again yeah, is it really like evidence towards the murders like no exactly but you can build that, character but whatever yeah. but in that moment in that time period like anything anything to make a case was taken into consideration right so not only was evelyn's dirty laundry aired out 
McDonald's Dirty Laundry was also aired out, where essentially they're like, yeah, this dude's an alcoholic, and not only that, but they actually confirmed that he was stealing money from his employer, and he had stole a total of $200,000, which, Jeez. like, in the 40s is a lot of money. Like, I don't even know how much that'd be today. Hold on. I wonder if I can quickly Google it. Because, like, I just feel like $200,000, like, now is still a lot of money, but... It was a lot of money, like, a lot of money back then. It was a lot of money back. Holy shit. Okay, so adjusted for inflation, $200,000 in 1946 is equal to $2.82 million in 2020. I'll take it. I'll take it. Yeah, that sounds about right. That sounds good. I can live off that. <laughs> Evelyn was found guilty at the death of John, where she was sentenced to hanging. Apparently, it only took the jury, like, after nine days of court proceedings, only two hours to agree on that verdict. They're like, yeah, no, she did it. Like, that's it. Like, she, That's good. She, she done did it. Um, even though some suspect that she did not physically commit the murder, uh, you know, with her, quote, own hands, Evelyn was found guilty by participating in the planning and follow-through of the crime. This is where things get, like, kind of fucked up. So Donald was found guilty as an accessory after the fact and was only sentenced five years. Bill supposedly walked away free after an acquittal. What? So, yeah. So the only one that really got the sh- well, really got any, like, reasonable, like, I don't, with the, I don't wish the death penalty on anyone, but... Like, Evelyn got the most severe outcome of all that. Like, the severe, most severe uh, sentencing. But... That seems, seems baloney. Yeah. But we're not done with Evelyn yet. So, fast forward to the appeal board, where the verdict was overturned because, um, essentially, based on Evelyn's statements to police, had been improperly admitted into evidence and that the trial judge had not properly instructed the jury. So it actually was documented in the Court of Appeals that, quote, the learned trial judges charged the jury was sketchy. It did not bring home to the jury the real problem they had faced. The accused, Evelyn, was entitled to have any theory of the defense which appeared from the evidence put to the jury by the judge. Practically all the circumstantial evidence was consistent with the appealant having only an accessory after the fact, but the issue was not only not put to the jury, but it was withdrawn from their consideration. Bunch of judicial bullshit. Yep. But guess what? Gets worse. Evelyn's conviction for John was dropped, and so was Donald's. What? Yeah. Because essentially the trial judge fucked up and didn't direct the jury appropriately based on her lawyer and i forgot to get her lawyer's name but he was like a hot shot like super prominent lawyer so as soon as like she obtained attained him everyone was like oh god she's not she'll get off kind of thing yeah she'll get off and then there was the sentencing of the of the hanging and they're like okay maybe like maybe this is it maybe she'll get you know get what's coming to her so to speak and then of course they're like "Uh uh-uh we're going to the appeal board and the appeal board agreed with what her lawyer had said bullshit yeah, but mind you, she still needed to attend to her to the trial about Peter. During this trial, Alexandra testified against Evelyn for immunity, reiterating what Evelyn had told her when she came home empty-handed from giving birth to Peter to the court. So she's like, yeah, so she came home after giving birth to Peter without Peter and said this really fucked up shit. And the court was probably like, ooh, that's not great. <laughs> That's not looking looking good on you. Alexandra further stated when she asked Evelyn about John Dick around the time that he was missing, 
Evelyn told her, quote, oh, he won't be coming around anymore, end quote. That's not suspicious at all. Right? So, like, it's around maybe early March, and Evelyn probably was like, huh, I haven't seen John in a while. Alexandra was probably like, huh, Evelyn, like, where the fuck's John? And, oh, he won't be coming around anymore. Probably, like, flexed her fur coat and did a hair flip and was off with herself. Who knows? That's not suspicious at all. Not suspicious at all. So, Evelyn may have avoided the death penalty. However, in another trial, she was found guilty of manslaughter and the death of Peter and was sentenced to life in Kingston Pen. She apparently, like, during her time in Kingston, she apparently was, of course, like, a model inmate. Like, she was well-mannered and apparently made friends with the other inmates. This, that, and the other. Of course. Of course. So, Evelyn was paroled on November 10th, 1958, after she, quote, had friends in high places that engineered her freedom. She was approximately 38 years old when she was released from Kingston Pen, and after that, totally went off the grid. Like, she was released and just vanished. Evelyn's file was pardoned in 1985, and her file was then sealed. So, mm-hmm. like, even if even if we had records of where she went, we'll, they're sealed. We'll never know. So, people thought... Right? Uh, People thought that Evelyn moved to the London, Ontario area, while as others thought that maybe she was still in Hamilton, maybe she went out, I think they thought she maybe went out east at one point. Or no, sorry, she, they thought that she might have went out west. But um, author Brian Valley believes that, and even wrote a book um, about Evelyn, that, you know, he thinks that she married again after her release uh, to a wealthy man and then moved out west where she was given a new identity and essentially a second chance at life. So Mm, technically, technically, because of all the drops of charges and like what have you, John Dick's murder has never actually technically been solved. But we know who did it. (laughs) But we know who, we we fucking know who did it. It was obviously Evelyn. Whether Mm -hmm. she was the, like, she clearly was a mastermind behind it, but I don't, I don't know if she actually was like, if if blood got under her hands, so to speak. Yeah, like it sounds suspicious that like the body or like but pieces and remnants and all this other evidence is like tied to the guys. Right. Where does his head? Where are the other parts of his body? Like that, that was one thing that boggled me. I was like, but where's his head? Like it's just a torso. Safekeeping. Like, where- oh god. Okay, so similar to the inf- infamous Lizzie Borden story, which. If you haven't heard about it, fucking Google it. Educate yourself. I don't know what to tell you. Apparently, there was a little rhyme that was made up about Evelyn. Mm. And it goes, You cut off his legs. You cut off his arms. You cut off his head. How could you, miss Mrs. Dick? How could you, Mrs. Dick? Which, like, it's not really good rhyme. I'll say that's it? That's not even yeah, rhyming. I know. Like, I'm trying to think of, like, so, okay, the Lizzie Borden... Borden one it's um like Lizzie Borden had an axe she gave her dad 40 wax or something like that like it fucking mm-hmm. rhymes like it has it's a it's like creepy like a childhood like song that you say like in a mirror like in the dark like do 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 scarcely yeah you can't just stand in front of a mirror and go you cut off his legs you cut off his arms you cut off his head how could you Mrs. Dick how could you Mrs. Dick? like that doesn't that it yeah. just doesn't have it doesn't have flow. the same ring to it. No, exactly. Um, so this is a true crime episode, but there is a spooky aspect to the story, which like care for it. Uh, there is apparently some reports that the the two fourteen home in Hamilton that the McLeans lived in, and where John Dick supposedly 
was dismembered mm-hmm. is apparently haunted as fuck. Ooh. In 2009, uh, homeowner Barbara reported that she experienced a series of unfortunate events where people just kept dying inside the house, like including her mom <laughs> and her husband. So, just some, some unfortunate stuff happening. People just died. People, exactly. And she, I think she told a newspaper, she's like, yeah, so finally I told, like, John Dick and whoever else I was haunting a house just to get the hell out, like, leave me alone, yada yada. And then after, like, nothing happened. Does Barbara actually think it's haunted? Not really, but probably just a way to put blame and grief into probably some troubling times, right? Like... It's easy to blame the unknown as opposed to blaming the known sometimes. Mm -hmm. And that's my case about Evelyn Dick. Are you weirdly distracted? I am distracted. That took out work from my mind completely. All about murder. I love it. Great. So we're going to jump into some resources because, like, got to give credit where credit is due. Um, So, of course, Wikipedia, Murderpedia, Internet Archive Wayback Machine website and Evelyn Dick website, which, which like she has her own fucking website. Uh, the Torso Murder, the Untold Story of Evelyn Dick by Brian Valley, Canada, Ontario, the Dick Affair, Time Magazine article, uh, A Killer Vanishes by Charlie Gillis of McLean's Magazine, A Moment in Time, the Globe and Mail article by John Allen Mang. And finally, and that's why we drank podcast episode 109. I'd say, well, that's where we got along the coverage, but me. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Ooh. All right, are you ready for some podcast shout outs? Yes, let's hear some special people. So, first off, we have Sin Mannix. Sin Mannix, yes. Podcast. A fairly <laughs> new podcast that sometimes talks and talks and talks about movies. The podcast doesn't focus so much on reviews, but offers interesting perspectives that will make you want to watch the movie ASAP. You can listen to Cinematics on Apple Podcasts and check out their Twitter profile at Pod. All right, and then we got Serial Killer Tuesdays. So, move aside Taco Tuesday. Podcast Serial Killer Tuesday is a true crime podcast that focuses on serial killers like Albert Fish, Clifford Olson, Dennis Nielsen, and more. And you can listen to Serial Killer Tuesday Days on Anchor and Spotify. Next we have Ignorance Was Bliss. That is, Kate provides a wide range of topics from mental health to serial murderers and everything in between. Oh, Ooh, good stuff. The, good the stuff. focus is more so about people's stories, and sometimes they're not rainbows and butterflies, which is fine because we like the dark side. And I'm muffed up on the notes. You can listen to Kate, I know for a fact, on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. I forgot to include that. I was so focused. I know, I'm... <laughs> Kate, if you're listening, I'm so fucking sorry. <laughs> and finally, to wrap us up is Dos Spookianos. Ooh. I probably butchered that too. Um, I'm so sorry, guys. A new type of paranormal comedy podcast that focuses on spooky stories through the state of New Mexico. You'll laugh, you'll get the chills, and overall, you'll be happy you tuned in to Eric and Alex. You can listen to them on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and check out their Twitter page at Dos Spookianos. And that is D O S S P O O K Q. U-E-N-O-S. Love it. Bam. Love it. Christy. Yes. Lastly, let's hear about (laughs) the important one. No. But (laughs) you can can definitely hear us. So listening to Weird Directions Pod. You can hit us up on Anchor, 
Spotify, Apple Podcasts. We would love for a review. We'd love some love of some stars. Five would be great. Anything is be- also great. <laughs> Five would be amazing. Amaze balls. Uh, also on Google Podcasts, Breaker, Radio Public, Overcast, Pocket Cast, and on Good Pods. Feel free to email us or just send any suggestions or feedback or tell us a story at weirddistractionspodcast.outlook.com. You can tweet us on Twitter, and that is at weirddistractI1. And then you can hit us up on our Insta page at weirddistractionspod. We post great funny things about true crime and paranormal stuff and all kinds of great stuff on there. Yeah, Alex (laughs) is the mean queen. I am the mean queen. And as we're recording this, our new logo is out, which is just amazing. I'm so happy about it. And I think that's it. So hope you enjoyed the story about Evelyn Dick from Hamilton, Ontario. Hope you're keeping well in these weird times. But uh, most importantly, if you need a distraction, we, we got, got you. you. Got you. We got you. Can't got say you. that on Got you. Can't say that on cue because we're not looking at each other, but you know what? We tried. We tried. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. My name's Jodie, I'm 27 years old and I've been through a bit of shit in my time with mental health and I have learnt that talking about it really really helps so I want to start a podcast, have guests on, talk about our problems and anyone that's listening will be able to hopefully feel a bit better about their own lives and make them feel like they're not alone.